Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Rob has written dozens of books with titles like The Red Sea Rules, 100 Bible Verses Everyone Should Know by Heart, and Then Sings My Soul. His newest book, 100 Bible Verses That Made America, is a biblical tour through American history and releases in February of 2020, but can be pre-ordered now. Visit robertjmorgan.com for more details and for free downloads related to this resource or pre-order from your favorite online retailer. And now, here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. As I researched for my book, 100 Bible Verses That Made America, I sometimes felt ashamed I didn't better know some of the characters and heroes that made America great. We all know about George Washington and John Hancock, but there is one man who is not as well known, but he should be. In my sometimes conspiratorial and suspicious mind, I've wondered if many American history textbooks leave him out because he was such an outspoken biblical Christian. This man was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, and he was a medical doctor. In fact, he is called the father of American medicine. He was also a social reformer and educator and the founder of Dickinson College. He served as Surgeon General of the Continental Army. He wrote America's first textbooks on psychiatry and mental illness. He helped establish America's first anti-slavery society, as well as the Philadelphia Humane Society and the Philadelphia Dispensary for the Poor. The more I study this man, the more I believe he was among the greatest of our founding fathers, though so many people, including a lot of school children today, have never heard the name of Dr. Benjamin Rush. Well, in this podcast, I want to tell his story. Dr. Rush was born in a village near Philadelphia in 1746. He was born into a Quaker family. His father died when Benjamin was young, and his mother sent him to live with an uncle and aunt. Despite his disrupted childhood, Benjamin never lost the power of his parents' influence. He once wrote that in his early home, the Bible was read and prayer was offered every day. He said, quote, I have acquired and received nothing from the world which I prize so highly as the religious principles I inherited from my parents, and I possess nothing that I value so much as the innocence and purity of their characters. He later wrote, My only hope of salvation is in the infinite transcendent love of God manifested to the world by the death of His Son upon the cross. Nothing but his blood will wash away my sins. I rely exclusively upon it. Rush attended a school run by Dr. Samuel Finley, a Presbyterian minister who was part of the Great Awakening. Later, he attended Princeton University, as it's known today. He graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree when he was only 14 years old. He wanted to become a doctor, and so he apprenticed under a physician in Philadelphia and later attended medical school at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, where he received his medical degree. While in the UK, Dr. Rush began to realize the nature of the coming conflict between America and the colonies. He heard the news from the other point of view, and that helped inform his thinking when he was back at home, much like a spy gathering enemy intelligence. Returning to the American colonies, Rush opened a medical practice in Philadelphia and also began teaching at the University of Philadelphia, 
or the College of Philadelphia, as it was known at that time. He went on to publish the first textbook on chemistry in America. As tensions heated up with Great Britain, Dr. Rush became involved in the Sons of Liberty, and he was elected to the Continental Congress. He became one of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence. He also recruited Thomas Paine to use his powerful pen to write essays for the cause of liberty. Paine wanted to call his book Plain Truth, but Dr. Rush suggested Common Sense, and thus one of America's most powerful political works got its name and its start. About that time, Dr. Rush suffered a grievous loss. He had fallen in love with Sarah Eve, the daughter of a prominent family in Philadelphia, but she died before their scheduled wedding. When the Revolutionary War broke out full force, Dr. Rush still grieving, offered his services to the colonial army and treated soldiers wounded in battle. This is where he made the most notable mistake of his life, if it was a mistake. He criticized George Washington in a series of unsigned letters, and he was later forced to resign from his post. His problems with Washington have hung over his head now for hundreds of years. And while I'm at it, Dr. Rush had one other mark against him. Throughout his life, he advocating the bleeding of patients, which we now know was a harmful medical practice. Well, Dr. Rush fell in love again, and this time was more fortunate. He married Julia Stockton, the daughter of another signer of the Declaration of Independence. Over the years, they had 13 children. After the war, Dr. Rush became the personal physician of many of the founding fathers and is known as the American Hippocrates. His studies into the nature of mental illness made him one of the founders of American psychiatry. During his career, he also taught over 3,000 medical students and was a popular lecturer in medical schools and in other colleges. Among the first to champion the abolition of slavery, Rush was instrumental in founding America's first anti-slavery society. He also helped Richard Allen to establish the African Episcopal Episcopal Church. He crusaded for the reform of prisons and advocated for the cause of the mentally ill. He established Bible societies and actively promoted the cause of higher Christian education. In 1790, he also helped to organize the First Day Society, which helped to start Sunday schools across the United States. He was also one of the founders of the Bible Society movement in America, which sought to make sure that every citizen and every home had access to God's Word. Dr. Rush helped to start five different colleges and universities, including the First College for Women. He was an early supporter for women's rights. Dr. Rush is especially far-famed for being the first founding father to advocate and to advance the concept of free public schools for every young person in America. He advocated education for women and for men and free public schools for all children, and he believed education should include a thorough knowledge of the Bible. He is called the father of public schools under the Constitution. In one of his books, he wrote, Let the children who are sent to these schools be taught to read and write. Above all, let both sexes be carefully instructed in the principles and obligations of the Christian religion. 
He said, this is the most essential part of education. This is what will make them dutiful children, teachable scholars, and afterward, good apprentices, good husbands, good wives, honest mechanics, industrious farmers, peaceable sailors, and in everything that relates to this country, good citizens. In 1791, Dr. Rush published one of his most popular works, A Defense for the Use of the Bible as a School Book. He said the Bible contains more truth than any other book in the world. He wrote The Great Enemy of the Salvation of Men, in my opinion, never invented a more effectual means of extirpating Christianity from the world than by persuading mankind that it is improper to read the Bible in the schools. He also offered this advice to his fellow physicians. To no secular profession does the Christian religion afford more aid than to medicine. Our business leads us daily into the abodes of pain and misery. It obligates us likewise frequently to witness the fears with which our friends leave the world and the anguish which follows in their surviving relatives. Here is where the common resources of medicine fail us. But the wonderful views of the divine government and of the future state which are laid open by Christianity more than supply the lack. A pious word dropped from the lips of a physician in such circumstances can often do much good. During the yellow fever epidemic in Philadelphia in 1793, Dr. Rush insisted on staying in the city while others were fleeing. At that time, Philadelphia was the nation's capital and its largest city, and President and Mrs. Washington left town, along with many others. But many people could not flee. They didn't have the resources to, and nearly one-tenth of the city's population died. The plague lasted for 100 days with at least 5,000 fatalities. Calling together his medical students, Dr. Rush told them, As for myself, I am determined to remain. I may fall a victim to the epidemic, and so may you gentlemen. But I prefer, since I am placed here by divine providence, to fall in the performing of my duty, if such must be the consequence of staying upon the ground, than to secure my life by fleeing from the post of duty allotted to me in the providence of God. So I will remain here, even if I remain alone. Dr. Rush survived the ordeal and selflessly treated an incredible number of Philadelphians. In addition to everything else, Dr. Rush was also appointed the treasurer of the United States Mint. Later, he prepared Lewis and Clark for their expedition to the West by giving them a primer on frontier medical techniques. Well, behind all of his tremendous work was a deeply held commitment to Jesus Christ. Rush felt that the United States of America was, in fact, the work of God. He said, I do not believe that the Constitution was the offspring of mere inspiration. But I am as perfectly satisfied that the Union of the United States in its form and adoption is as much the work of divine providence as any of the miracles recorded in the Old and New Testaments. One of the greatest services he performed for America was when he facilitated the reconciliation of two American giants. 
Many people know that John Adams and Thomas Jefferson had a terrible falling out, which turned them into bitter enemies for decades. In the early years of the American Revolution, the two men had been very close. They met for the first time in the Congress of 1775, and they became fellow advocates of liberty. But during the Washington administration, the two men disagreed about the role of the federal government. Washington worried about a strong central government, while Adams thought that it was necessary. Nor were things helped by Jefferson's persistent support for the French Revolution, even after it turned violent. In the election of 1880, the two men were pitted against each other, and it was among the bitterest elections in American history. Jefferson won, and the outgoing President John Adams was so embittered he didn't even stay for the inauguration. The two men remained enemies for years. No one was more distressed by the enmity between Adams and Jefferson than their mutual friend, Dr. Benjamin Rush. On October the 17th of 1809, Rush described a vivid dream that came to him during the night. Writing to John Adams, he said that he dreamed that Jefferson and Adams would renew their friendship. He said that he dreamed that Adams was going to write a letter congratulating Jefferson on his successful life and extending good wishes for his welfare. He said that he also dreamed that Jefferson, when he received the letter, would respond with affection and esteem. This, according to Rush, and his dream, would lead to a resumption of their correspondence and friendship. Well, Adams replied to Dr. Rush that he had no objection about the dream, but that he was not interested in pursuing it. Rush then wrote to Jefferson, encouraging him to revive what he called a friendly and epistolary intercourse with Adams. For a while, nothing happened, but on December 5th, 1811, Jefferson wrote to Dr. Rush about his continued warm and deep feelings for the memories of his friendship with Adams, and Rush immediately passed on the news to John Adams, imploring the men again to, he said, embrace each other and bury in silence all of the causes of your separation. On January 1st, 1812, Adams sent Jefferson a polite letter expressing New Year's greetings, and Jefferson responded with a note fondly recalling the earlier labors of the two men for the cause of liberty. And soon, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson were writing to each other regularly, and they did so for the next 14 years. And their letters were later published as, quote, one of the most celebrated epistolary conversations in American history, one that continued until the last year of both men's lives. Well, Dr. Rush was elated. He felt that he had fulfilled the words of Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers. In a letter dated February 17, 1812, Rush wrote to John Adams saying, I rejoice in the correspondence which has taken place between you and your old friend, Mr. Jefferson. I consider you and him as the North and South Poles of the American Revolution. Some talked and some wrote, and some fought to promote and establish it, but you and Mr. Jefferson, well, you two thought for all of the rest of us. According to historian David Barton, the accuracy and future fulfillment of several parts of this dream are absolutely astounding. Recall that at that time, 
when the letter was written. Jefferson and Adams were still opponents. None of what was described in this letter had even begun to come to pass, nor did it seem likely that it ever would. However, as accurately as described in the letter, these two men did again become close friends, and there did indeed follow correspondence of several years, just as Dr. Rush had dreamed. Seventeen years later, in different parts of the East, both John Adams, who was 90, and Thomas Jefferson, 82, passed away on the same day, the 4th of July, 1826, on the 50th anniversary of Independence Day. By that time, Dr. Rush was already in heaven. He died of typhoid fever and was buried near the grave of Benjamin Franklin. At the time of his death in 1813, newspapers considered him one of America's three most notable people, along with George Washington and Benjamin Franklin. When he died, his body was buried in the graveyard of Christ Church in Philadelphia, along with seven other signers of the Declaration of Independence. His tombstone reads, In memory of Benjamin Rush, M.D., who died on the 19th of April in the year of our Lord, 1813, 68 years of age. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Well, if you want to read more about Benjamin Rush, there are several biographies of him available, including some recent ones. But I would especially recommend the one written by David Barton, entitled, Benjamin Rush, Signer of the Declaration of Independence. I'm glad that you've taken time to tune in today. This podcast is produced by Joshua Rowe and Clearly Media. Elijah Rowe assisted in the editing. Music is by Jordan Davis. For more information and resources, including my book, 100 Bible Verses That Made America, visit my website. It's at robertjmorgan.com. Thank you for listening.